1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad regular season opener has the nets leading the Warriors 63 45 at the half Kyrie Irving already with 24 points for Brooklyn later on tonight the Clippers and Lakers of course the National Hockey League getting ready to go Training camps will start December 30th for the teams who weren't in the playoffs last year. Your Oilers are going to get going on January 3rd, and the start of the regular season is January 13th. No schedule announced yet, and still some things to work out, and a lot of those things north of the border, and we'll touch on that as we move along tonight. But I would like to welcome to Inside Sports one of the newest members of the Edmonton Oilers' center, Kyle Turris. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing
0: well, Reid. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for popping on the show tonight. We appreciate it. Obviously, we finally have a date for training camp, a date for the start of the season. Man, Kyle, after all the speculation and anticipation for the last few weeks, or maybe even few months, how does it feel to actually have some concrete dates?
0: It's exciting. It's really exciting. It, uh, yeah, just having talked about it and just the possibility uh, gets you excited. But at the same time, there's... You know, there's been these dates that have just been extended in, in previous months. So to actually have a firm official date now, it's, uh, it's just it's really exciting to, to have something to strive towards and, and to get going.
1: Tell me about what you've been doing to stay in shape and stay sharp. Obviously, usually in these months, you're playing games. Instead, you were stuck in the middle of an offseason that you kind of didn't know when it was going to end. So what was the process like for you to stay sharp?
0: Um, I, well, when I got to Edmonton here, uh, the beginning of December, um, I started working out and and skating with, with the group here and, and it's been great. It's been awesome. It's, uh, um, high intensity and, and on and off the ice. So it's, it's good. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm getting into, into good shape and, and ready for the season. Before that I was, I was renting ice myself and, and skating with a few guys and and doing my own workouts as well. So, yeah, I've I'm, I'm just been trying to stay sharp and, and stay ready. And being here uh, now, having these skates in before the actual camp and, and season start has definitely helped.
1: Tell me a little bit about settling into Edmonton. I I mean, I know you grew up in in British Columbia, so I'm sure you know a lot about Edmonton and Alberta, but uh, Kyle, you picked a profession where sometimes you got to change cities every few years. So what's it been like trying to get into the groove of, of calling Edmonton home?
0: It's been great. It, uh, it really has. It's, we're, we're really enjoying the neighborhood we're in. Uh, We walk a lot and walk the kids to school and, um yeah it's just everybody's been super nice coming and introducing themselves and and our neighbors and whatnot and it's uh yeah it's it's already feeling like home so we're we're really excited about uh about being here
1: now do do people want to talk hockey with you and uh ask for a point projection or uh the team's gonna do or things like that
0: no everybody's been good (laughs) everybody's been really respectful Good,
1: good stuff. Kyle Turris joining us tonight on Inside Sports, one of the new members of the Edmonton Oilers as we ramp up for training camp on January 3rd. Hey, you know, I, I want to ask you uh, a, a little bit about uh, about Dave Tippett. You had some experience with him earlier in, in your career, some pretty uh, successful areas in the Oilers game last year, specifically the, the penalty kill that I think Dave and his coaching staff were a big part of. Just, just tell me why you think Dave's been such a successful NHL coach for so long and, and maybe some things you look forward to working with him?
0: Um, well, I, I am really looking forward to working with him. And, and I think him as a person, he's just, he's a good person and, and he's honest. And those are two very important traits to have in, in somebody that is kind of leading a group from a, a coaching standpoint. Because um, those are two things that, that players want to play for. Um, and then, you know, just what he brings from a, a, general standpoint is experience. You know, he's, he's got so much experience from being a player and, and from coaching for so long that he's seen so many different situations and coached so many different styles and players. And, um, I mean, like you said, the, the success, the special teams had last year and, and how much success the team had in general, um. Is a direct reflection of of what he brought and and uh, something to build off of going into this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. T- tell me a little bit about uh, the outlook for your game, Calvin. Uh, I mean, I-, I joked about fans asking you for point projections. I'll I'll, I'll kind of do that, not not quite that specific. But but do you set uh, or have you set any any personal goals for the upcoming season? How do you approach that?
0: Yeah, it's something that you know you're. As a player, you're always trying to look to improve in in all aspects, it's, you know, in faceoffs, in points, in you know, in in many different aspects, and uh, and I'm no different. I'm I'm always trying to improve and and look for for ways to gain an edge to increase performance and and help the team be more successful. So, I uh, yeah, I, I definitely have. Things that um, I've thought about and worked on this off season that that I'm uh, excited to to get out and and uh, improve on this season.
1: And and your role and Ken Holland talked about you a bit yesterday when he did his media availability in terms of of being a, a third line center and. I I figure that's not a bad role when you consider who the the first two centers are are on the team. And look, Kyle, that, that is a position. I'm sure, you know, from playing against the Oilers, that's a position where um, they've needed somebody, they've needed somebody who can score and and do what, what you're going to bring to the table. And they've certainly needed some support offense from, from that role. So how do you look at uh, sort of tackling some of those uh, team needs here?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. You know, I, I consider myself a, a two way player where I, I take pride in my defensive game and being strong and, and sturdy defensively. But at the same time, I, you know, I, I really enjoy the offensive side of the game. That's kind of the fun part, you know, and and being creative and, and scoring to help the team and um, creating offense for my line mates. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of a, a big part of my game that um i 've uh, um, yeah i 'm just i 'm really excited to, to get back at it and and improve off of my my last two years because i I know what i 'm capable of and i I know I can uh, get back to being that player where i'm i 'm productive offensively
1: You played in Ottawa, so you know what it 's like to be part of a rivalry, certainly the senators and the Leaf senators and the Canadians. Had uh, had some pretty heated battles over the years, and now it's an all-Canadian division. There's going to be ten battles of Alberta, plus you're seeing all these other Canadian opponents throughout the year. Do you, do you think that's going to lead to some uh, some new fire? Some new, because just, look, the Oilers and the Leafs, you know, play twice a year, but it still kind of feels like a, a rivalry game. How, how do you how, how do you think it's going to be with every team over and over again all season long?
0: I think it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I mean, to, to play 56 interdivisional games against all Canadian teams is like a dream come true. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be very competitive. And like you said, there's going to be a lot of bad blood and rivalries that, that get set up. I mean, obviously the battle of Alberta is already a, a big one, but I mean, you play, play the teams in the division nine or ten times, it's, it's going to get real ugly over the course of the year, and it's, uh, it's going to be more like old-time hockey.
1: All right, that's Kyle Turris with the Edmonton Oilers. More with him when we get back. A couple minutes going back to to when you were a junior and uh you know i remember following you when you were with burnaby because i was working in lloyd minster covering the ajhl and you were playing junior a in the uh in the bchl and you had some awesome seasons and you were part of some awesome teams and then you wound up t- to wisconsin but take take me back the how you weighed that at that time to go junior a versus uh whl i imagine a you know, it was probably something, uh, a pretty heavy decision for a, for a teenager at that time.
0: Yeah, it, it was difficult. And, you know, at the time, uh, I mean, I'm not sure how it is now, but at the time when I was going through it, there there really wasn't much talk about um, the NCAA in Canada. It was it was all kind of major junior. And uh, you just, you didn't hear about it and you didn't see any of the games uh, down in the U.S. So it was it's kind of tough to get a feel for, but um so when i was actually when i was 15 playing junior b um i broke my wrist and uh when that happened i actually my parents and i because we hadn't seen or or heard much about the ncaa we kind of mapped out all the schools um where you could catch two different universities play on a weekend in their home building so it was like boston college boston university um Minnesota Wisconsin and uh so that's what we ended up doing we actually went on a trip um, my parents and I and we kind of took in uh University of Minnesota game uh, on the Friday night and then uh University of Wisconsin game on the Saturday night and uh it was it was real funny because I um you know these schools didn't have any idea who I was it was just My parents and I kind of booked the trip on our own and we were just trying to get a feel of, of another opportunity or possibility down the road, alternative to major junior. And as soon as I saw Wisconsin, uh, the facility and and the game and the atmosphere, I, I knew that was where I wanted to go. Um, and I was, I was a smaller kid growing up. I was always kind of smaller and I didn't really grow until I was in grade 12, grade 11 and grade 12. Um, so I actually, uh, when I was finishing up grade 10 playing Junior B, I actually uh, verbally committed to the University of Wisconsin. And then the next two years, um, as I was kind of going through Junior A and, and growing a little bit and and whatnot, I, I stayed committed to Wisconsin and, and thought it would allow me the opportunity to physically develop more, um, to be more prepared for the pro game. And, and uh yeah, so that was kind of why I followed through with going to Wisconsin. And um I only ended up going for one year, but physically um I may have been able to to go for another year or two to to better prepare. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's interesting because I, I think as, as the league has expanded, there are more and more players I think who might go that and I mean look at Kale McCarr, Kyle. I mean, this kid out of the AJHL, and he's already one of, the, one of the best defensemen in the league. So it's going to produce, I think, is maybe not as many high-end guys as as major junior, but I think we're going to see more uh, excellent players come out of come out of uh, the junior A leagues than there than ever before as we move along here.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, it's tough when you're, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old unless you're a, uh, um, you know, a a superstar, uh, Connor McDavid, um, you know, the, the, there's no sure thing that you're going to make it pro and, and be okay, uh, long-term. Right. So just having that, uh, university scholarship and, and experience where it's kind of a combination of your physically developing and progressing from a hockey standpoint, but, also achieving a, a degree in uh, uh, education to better serve you down the road if things don't work out was kind of always a, a mentality that I had as well, because I, like I said, I, I was small and, and wasn't sure when I was 16 years old playing junior A that, that things would end up working out the way they did. So I, I always saw that as kind of a, a safeguard going to school as well.
1: Yeah, well said. Hey, I want to throw one more at you, and thanks again for checking in on the show tonight. The offside rule has been tweaked in the NHL, and now if a player's skate is above the blue line, he's going to be ruled onside. So you don't have to have that skate in an onside position on the ice in order to be uh, on side, so this could change things for linesmen, and it could obviously change things for the video review process. What do you think?
0: I think it's great. I do. I think it's going to change uh, a lot of scoring because it, I mean it. It happens so often now where plays are so tight, and you know it. I'm I'm glad they're doing it because it it kind of takes pressure off the officials to be. Um, making very difficult calls at the lines um, that they're just tough to see. You know, if a a linesman is on the near side boards and the puck carrier is on the near blue line and a guy on the far far side of the blue line is crossing right at the same time and the linesman's unsure if he has his skate uh, dragged or not, it just makes for a a difficult situation where – You know, I've seen sometimes where the linesman calls it an an offside, even though technically, when you ran it back, it it wasn't offside based off the rules. So it just it I think it's good because it the prior or the previous rule kind of put them in a tough situation, and and this kind of leaves that for them. And then ultimately, I think it's going to increase scoring because there's so many tight plays like that um, that occur every game. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna boost scoring, which is a good thing in a, a league where it's difficult to score goals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Kyle. Well, thanks for checking in. Good to hear you're you're settling into becoming an Edmontonian, and it's gonna be fun to see you. Uh, you know, on the ice for training camp, and then once we get into the games. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Appreciate your time.
0: Thanks for having me, Reid. Merry Christmas.
1: That is Kyle Turris, center for the Edmonton Oilers, checking in tonight. So he's moved to town and he's ready to go. January 3rd, training camp, January 13th for the start of the NHL season. And I asked him about it at the end, and that's significant today. And it's something we've talked about on and off for the last couple of years, ever since the NHL brought in the offside challenge. And you see so many instances on the video review where one skate of the offensive player is over the blue line. And then their other skate is over top of the blue line and just barely off the ice. And under the now old rule, that would be considered offside and goals would get waved off. So now, as long as your onside skate is over top of the blue line, even in the air, as long as it hasn't broken the plane of the area inside the blue line, you will be considered on side. And as Turris said, hopefully makes it a little easier for the linesman trying to make these calls, and it should lead to at least a few more goals. 780-496-0063 is how you can check in by either calling or texting. You can let me know what you think of Kyle Turris. How's he going to fit in on that third line? You can let me know what you think of the offside rule or whatever else is on your mind tonight. But no, I can't come to your house and help you with your Christmas baking. It's just not allowed right now. Rob Brown will be on the show in a few minutes. And between 7 and 7.30, Jelena Mergenovich, she won her bout, her championship bout on Thursday. She will tell us how it went, and I'll tell you as well about a. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Petition some folks have going to get a street in Edmonton named after Jelena. All ahead on Inside Sports. Inside Sports. <laughs> appreciate you tuning in tonight. Kyle Turris was just on the show. He'll be the Oilers' third-line center. They haven't had much production at that position, well, for a very long time. So hopefully Turris can bring that playing behind Seidel and McDavid on the depth chart. We had Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the show last night. He's ready to rock and roll. And uh, we're ready to go here for January 13th with the start of the regular season. Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst for our broadcast on Chet, is on the line. Rob, how's it going, buddy? Going good, Reed, How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for checking in tonight. Finally, finally, we got dates for hockey. You know, still some things to iron out. I think there's still a bit of a situation, possibly, uh, with games in BC or maybe a couple other provinces. We'll see. But, man, players got to be relieved to have these dates to shoot for because... uh, uh, I know they like staying in shape and skating, and all that kind of stuff. But they are wired to play games.
2: They are, and now they've got uh, a date where they know they're supposed to start. Uh, you know, when it, the, with the disease going around with the pandemic, and then with the uh, having to figure out the money part of it. There's so many things that were in flux, and they weren't sure what which, which way it was going to go. So finally, having a date where you can say, "Okay, now here's where I'm starting to peak for. This is the day I got to be ready for." Uh, it gives the players some clarity on what they're what they're shooting for, and they're excited. I guarantee you, right now, that there's a lot of excited hockey players out there, knowing that there's an end date to uh, to this long layoff, and they're going to start playing hockey here early in the new year.
1: Yeah, a little earlier start to training camp for the teams that were out of the playoffs. I mean, Rob, does that is that going to make a difference? The seven teams that weren't in the playoffs get to start on December 30th. There are no preseason games. I know they haven't skated as a team for a while, but most players have been skating. Is this a concession to the non-playoff teams that makes
2: sense to you? Well, it's a concession, uh, but no, it's not going to make any difference. If they would have let those teams have a two-week head start, huge, huge advantage. Now you can start getting into system play. You can start getting into lines, start getting some feel out there with your line mates. Uh, That would have been a big difference. But three days, no, honestly, three days makes no difference at all. And uh, it's more just, I don't know, just something that they can say they've done for them. But really, there's no advantage at all the three extra days that those teams get
1: yeah and, uh, and like I said there won't be any preseason games so they'll just dive right into the games that count in the standings it, it was confirmed that we're going to go with the, the North Division they're not calling it the Canadian Division though it is only Canadian teams and Ken Holland said yesterday based on the draft schedule he'd been given 10 games apiece for the Oilers against the Canucks and the Flames 9 games against each of the other teams likely playing a game 2 or 3 times uh, at a shot to get through this season and cut down on the travel a little bit this is going to be something Rob I mean I guess when you played, you might play a team in your division seven times throughout the season. I know when as a junior, you, you played the same teams a lot, and, and you played in the era when they were nine, best of nine in the, <laughs> in the playoffs for a couple of rounds, which, which seems insane. But we've, we've, we've never really seen this in the NHL, where it's just the same teams over and over again so many times each. And I, and I think it's going to go beyond the Battle of Alberta or the Battle of Ontario. I, I think by, by the end of this season, you're going to have seven Canadian teams uh, that are sick of each other and hate each other.
2: Well, we see it every year in the playoffs. Uh, every series, the, the first one or two games, there's a feeling out process, but by game you know, 4, 5, 6, 7, the, team, the teams hate each other, and that's a playoff hockey. Well, now you're going to have that all season long, playing the teams over and over again. There's nothing to hide. Uh, there's retribution quickly. We've seen it uh, in a number of times over the last number of years where something will happen in a game that one team is unhappy with. And then everyone starts looking, okay, when do these te- these two teams play next? And sometimes it's two months, three months, four months later, or not even till the following season. Well, if something silly happens this year, possibly the next night or, or two nights later, but it'll be within two weeks that they will be playing each other. So everything will be fresh in each other's minds. So uh, I, I think there will be some nastiness this year because of the number of times they play each other's teams, each, each of these teams, and there will be... Games where one team will have a the better hand, so whether it's poor goaltending, bad breaks, whatever, that you will get a very quick turnaround to be able to make amends for that that loss. So I, I think it's exciting. I, and, and the thing that's cool about uh, this is in, with the Canadian teams, there's always something special for us watching. If this would have been, a, if we would have been in a division where we're playing ten games, and it would have been against Anaheim and, and Arizona and L.A i got to be honest, that would have bored the heck out of most of the Canadian fans here in Edmonton. But the fact that all of the games are against the Canadians, and even Ottawa, they've got some young stars on that team, so it's going to be a fun team to watch. So this is going to be a lot of fun for fans watching over the course of the 56 games because of the way they've set it up and it being an all-Canadian division.
1: Well, I like how you put that about the retribution and how players have long memories and if, if uh, they need to get back at somebody... It's not always handled in in the same game. It's it's usually handled maybe at some point later in the season. But I think you make an excellent point, and we remember what it was like in January. It seems like a long time ago, but that was January 11th when the first Kachuk Cassian incident happened. You know, Cassian or Kachuk belts him two or three times. Cassian ragdolls him. Kachuk didn't want to fight back. Cassian gets suspended the oilers played a couple other games and then had a bye and they played calgary on the 29th we talked about the next meeting between the oilers and the flames for almost 3 weeks right because we knew because we knew something was going to happen and then on february and the you know don't forget the first fight in that game wasn't Kachuk Cassian? It was Nugent Hopkins and Monahan, which surprised a lot of people. Then Kachuk and Cassian fought, and then on February first was the insane goalie fight game. So I think you make a great point. There's three games uh, with animosity between Calgary and, and Edmonton, spaced out over about 21 days. I mean, they they could now play each other three times in four nights, and all that could be packed into half a week.
2: And, and just think the the emotion that we saw in those games. It carried over three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. It did, but it's still it's not as emotional, it's not as intense as it would have been if it would have been the next night. Just think had the, uh, the, you know, casting Kachuk thing happened on a Friday and then on Saturday they played each other again you know, 24 hours later. Just think how uh, much more emotional and intense it would have been. And then having all of a sudden they're playing three and five nights and then two nights later they're playing each other again so this is what you're going to get you really you're getting playoff atmosphere type hockey in the regular season because you play against each team so many times uh, and and there is going to be some anger and there's going to be animosity and and it's going to come out much quicker normally if you play you know, you play New Jersey, and then the next game you play Pittsburgh, and then you play Philadelphia, and you're going through. It's hard to get angry at all those teams because you play a team New Jersey, you might not play them again now for four months or five months. So you don't have the animal. It's just not there. But when you're playing the same teams over and over, and, it's, uh, you know, we it, we always try to predict at the beginning of the season where everyone is going to fit in the playoff schedule, who's who's going to make the playoffs, which te- teams are good, which teams are poor. I I think that you and I, we've watched a lot of hockey over the last number of years. I think if we're handicapping the divisions, the division that Pittsburgh is in is the best division. Like, they've got, Uh you know, seven teams that should be in the playoffs. But after that, I think this division, the Canadian division, is tough. It is a good division. Ottawa's probably on the outside looking in, but the other six teams in this division all believe they should be in the playoffs, which just makes... Uh, th- each and every game that much more important you can't have a slide in this you can't have a stretch of two or three you know two weeks where you're not playing your best hockey because the games are so important because it's all division games you always talk about well this is a four point game it's a division game well this year there's 56 division games this year there's 56 four point games this year so that's why i think it's going to be so exciting to watch
1: well and ken holland made that point yesterday in his media availability that you'll always have a chance to catch up because if you're not doing well, you're probably going to play somebody ahead of you and to make up ground on them. And that's the one thing we've seen, you know, the years the orders have missed the playoffs or when the orders have been doing better, the team's chasing them. Well, it's, you know, if, it's, if somebody's chasing another team and they win, well, that's great, but that other team might win as well. But now you're playing that team head to head. And another thing to remember, Rob, if you look at this from that perspective that we often talk about, okay, American Thanksgiving, Usually, if you're in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving, you make the playoffs I mean generally, it's thirteen of the fourteen teams that are in on u s Thanksgiving are in when we get to the end of the regular season fifty six games is usually how many games are remaining after American Thanksgiving, so like it's just like <laughs> starting the season at American Thanksgiving, but all thirty one teams are tied for a playoff spot
2: well and take it a, a, a step further. you Ken Holland talked about you can make up ground if you get behind in the in the standings but Look on the other side of it. The teams you're chasing are all playing each other. So every night, one of those teams is winning. So every night, the teams that you're, you're chasing, if you're behind early in the season, every night they're playing each other. So somebody is always gaining points on you. So uh, I, to me, it's imperative to get a good start to the season. Uh, it, it really is. When you're playing in a division where you're only playing division games, you can't start on the bottom and have to catch up and claw your way back into this because you're only playing each other. So there's always going to be a team getting points every single night. So you got to make – that's why you don't want to have a, a a losing spell. If you go through a stretch where you lose 7 of 8 or 8 of 10, well, every other team that's playing against you is gaining points. Every night somebody is gaining points because they're playing each other. So it's very important. So there's so many uh, – This I, to me it's exciting. There's a lot of uh, cool – things to watch with you. you got the goaltending situation. I mean, obviously, is supposed to be your starter to Smith push him. How often do they split? Uh, is Yamamoto for real? I mean, a lot of players have a sophomore jinx, and that's not just, you know, you know one or two. I mean, majority of players, all of a sudden, the rest of the league figures out who you are. Yamamoto's on the second line. Playing with the MVP of the league, he can't have a sophomore jinx because they need Dreisaitl to be a superstar. How good is Nurse going to be filling in for Clefbom? Clefbom I mean, there are some detractors of Oscar Clefbaum, but he's a guy that plays 25, 26, 27 minutes a night in every situation. He may not be a number one defenseman on every team in the NHL, but he was by far the number one defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. And without him this season, players are going to step up. There are question marks on this team, but as we know, every team's got question marks and it's who's, I think this year, who's got the best depth because uh, of a short season, tight games, played over the course of the year if someone's injured instead of missing three games they might be missing five or six so depth is going to be big this year and that's the one thing that Ken Holland tried to address in the offseason.
1: Well and that brings me to Kyle Turris who was just on the show he knows he's going to be the third line center which behind McDavid and Dreisaitl isn't a bad place to be if if Turris has even somewhat of a productive season that's going to be miles better than because we've talked about it, Rob. I mean, as as much as the Oilers were an improved team last year, I still think they had two fourth lines. I don't think they had a real third line in terms of what a Stanley Cup contender would be. If tourists can come in and play solid and get some points, and, and who knows, Rob? I almost feel like I have to whisper this. Maybe there will even be a second power
2: play unit. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, no, there won't. There will not be a second power play unit. There will be one or two guys that get to play on the first unit for 30 seconds. There will be one power play unit.
1: (laughs) Could Turris be one of those guys?
2: I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he could. He he certainly could. I I think he's a big signing for the Oilers. I I really do. I, I think, and I agree, I think the Oilers have had two number one lines and two number four lines. Over the last number of years, I mean, we, we sit up in the press box and uh, when McDavid and Drysdale were off the ice, I mean, very rarely were we looking down to the opposition team's net thinking there's going to be something going in there very shortly. Uh, the Oilers did not create anything offensively when the top two lines weren't on the ice. And, and, and it bit them at the end of the night a lot of games. So Turris has got, he, I mean, he has been a number one center in the National League. He's been a number two center. Uh, he, he's got a pedigree to make plays. He understands it. And right now he's coming into a situation where there's no pressure. In Ottawa, he had pressure. Going to Nashville is a big trade. Uh, he signed a, a pretty good deal in Nashville. There was pressure when he went there. There's no pressure for him at Edmonton. They've got their two superstar centermen. He's a number three centerman here that's going to get a little PP time. They want him to bring a, bring along a couple of young players and try to create. I think he's in a perfect situation to have success here, and the Oilers need him to have success if they want to take that next step.
1: A couple other quick ones for you, Rob. The offside rule has changed. You and I uh, have seen the offside video review be in place for a few years. Um, I've been pretty blunt about how I didn't like it. I've kind of backed off on on ranting about it because I I have found (laughs) out the league league doesn't change rules based on me being angry about it. But now they're going to change it. So as long as your skate is over top of the blue line, it can be off the ice because we have seen so many goals waved off they get challenged and yeah, that player was just starting his stride and that and an, uh, that skate is an inch or two off the ice and it would be deemed offside. Now those plays would be onside and those goals would stand.
2: Okay, first let's not applaud the NHL for doing this because this was a dumb rule to start with. <gasps> they knew it was a dumb rule when they did it, but arrogance and stubbornness had them wait two, three years, four years, whatever it is, to make any changes at all. They, it was much needed. Too many goals were being disallowed uh, because of centimeters, millimeters, inches, because of, uh, a skate had just stepped off the ice. Dumb, just dumb. I mean, had nothing to do with the player, the goal going in, and goals were being called back in a league where, frankly, we go to watch goals being scored. We go to watch the talent be talented. So, uh, yeah, it, it was the right call. This is just, I don't know, two, three years too late, but it will, it will make for for better hockey. and uh, it'll certainly help with uh, more, more in the goal scoring. So, yeah, a much, much-needed decision made by the NHL. All
1: right, you played on the Canadian World Junior team. The tournament is at Rogers' place, of course, unfortunately without fans this year. Let's say you had 30 seconds to talk to the Canadian team before a game or before a practice. I asked Nuge this last night, too. What would you say?
2: Enjoy the moment. Just enjoy. Uh, It goes by too fast. Um, The the two or three weeks that they're going to be in Edmonton, it it flies by. So enjoy every moment, whether it's on the ice, uh, having meals together, in the dressing room. But you're putting the Canadian jersey on. You're representing your country. The entire country, especially this year, is going to be watching every moment of this tournament. Don't let the moment get too big for you enjoy it because you are going to have the greatest time of your life over the next couple weeks
1: rob it's always a great time to have you on the show i look forward to doing game broadcasts with you once again uh we may get the schedule tomorrow so that would be pretty cool we can start looking at those dates hey and of course uh we'll be talking a lot so merry christmas to you and your family buddy
2: merry christmas to you
1: guys too and uh we look forward to seeing you in the new year that is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst for Oilers broadcasts here on 630Chad and the Oilers Radio Network. Not surprised to hear he's a, uh, a fan of the change to the offside rule. We'll talk a little bit about that NHL schedule. and. Cool. The Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation announcing a donation of $450,000 to local community groups, including several youth and groups cha- and charities, as well as many Edmonton community leagues. This uh, or, or is money being reinvested into the low community generated by proceeds from the most recent Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation online 50-50 raffle. You remember those were extremely popular during the Oilers playoff series against the Chicago Blackhawks. So $450,000 going to youth sport groups, charities, and many Edmonton community leagues. So that is pretty cool. 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text Yakushev, my good buddy. Texting in tonight. He says, Good evening, Reed. Is the NHL making too many assumptions? How can they confirm there will be a northern division? From what I have read and heard, not one province has yet given approval for the NHL teams to start play. So what the NHL did was make a schedule and now they are asking if they can play it. That's from Yakushev. Well, Yakushev, you're not wrong. I, I I do think unfortunately there there are still some questions about games being played. In Canada, I'm going to read what Pierre Lebrun wrote on his Twitter account earlier today. Of course, he's with uh, TSN and he's a senior columnist with The Athletic and uh, one of the top guys in terms of uh, reporting on hockey in our country. And he said the full NHL schedule released Wednesday will have the seven Canadian teams as if they can play in their home arenas, even though it's possible that won't be the case. The NHL has adjustment schedules ready to go. If that changes, so fair point by Yakashev. and and I got to admit, I, I was slightly surprised when the when the news broke on Sunday. I thought it might still take a couple of days because uh, we hadn't heard about that formal sign off from uh, from from the provinces in Canada. Uh, I, you know, I think you still have to wonder what could possibly happen with the Canucks. Are are they going to perhaps? not be able to play in Vancouver for all or part of the season? Could they be based at Rogers place in Edmonton? What's going to happen in Ontario? You know, obviously they're having a lockdown starting boxing day and could that affect um, their willingness to have NHL games played in the province. And then if you have three of seven Canadian teams, not playing in their home rinks, then what happens? Does the whole division get moved to the States and does that scrap the North division? That's a worst case scenario, but you're right, Yakushev. Uh, you know, we, I, I guess we, I guess this still all remains somewhat tentative, even though it's been announced, and that's what Pierre LeBrun indicated. But it does sound like we'll see a schedule tomorrow. So, to me, that's at least somewhat of a positive development. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you would like to chime in, I'm happy to hear from you. The champ Jelena Mergenovich, after the news.